0: You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Jusob here. Post-Thanksgiving, podcasting is always the best. Excited to have a non-LA NLC person, one of our first, Matt Tompkins from NLC National, will join us talking all things uh, fundraising that he does for NLC and what he sees in these chapters across the country. So let's get to it. All right, Matt, where
1: in the world are you today? I am in Washington, D.C. That's where you're based, right? Even though you're doing lots of traveling for NLC? Yes, sir. I uh, live in D.C. right down the street from the National Cathedral and right next to the Russians. So the Russians might be listening to us. <laughs> well, hopefully they enjoy podcasting as much as we do.
0: Um, if people could probably tell from your voice and accent you're not from D.C. Where are you from originally?
1: I am originally from Louisville, Kentucky. So I was born and raised there and uh, spent my, most of my life there. But I did get to go out to California for a few years. I got the uh, breathe that nice, uh, air out there, but, uh, primarily in DC. So, uh, but a Kentucky boy at heart. Yeah. Give me the scoop on Kentucky basketball this year. What's the story? So we're starting a lot of new folks. I mean, we lost uh, some key players last year to the draft, uh, as usual, every year. But we had uh, uh, the number one recruiting class in the country start about five freshmen. We got about eight newcomers. So uh, they look talented. Uh, They're still a work in progress. But I think by the end of the year, when March comes around, I think Calipari is going to have them uh, ready to go. So it's the same process every year, and you got to take it as it is. They're not going to be great out of the gate. But uh, when March comes around, they usually perform. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, So listen, I think we're excited to have you on because a lot of folks in
0: LA and in the alum community in general ask about what does NLC National do? Uh, So what is your exact role with them and how long you've been doing it?
1: So, uh, I, I'm the vice president of NLC. I have been with NLC since 2011, so, uh, six years now, uh, as of November, uh, this year. Uh, I primarily focus on, uh, fundraising and development, uh, and then also I do some, uh, politics for the organization, uh, with some of our honorary national co-chairs. I, uh, you know, go to the Hill and meet with some of the politicians here in Washington. Uh, I head up, along with Ashlyn Martin, our uh, millennial compact project on our policy end. Uh, to really uh, really get that piece of the organization moving forward. It was a very successful uh, project that we launched in September 2017 this year with the Com- Millennial Compact with America and something we're going to continue to do. So that's kind of my uh, overall uh, portfolio with the organization. Uh, and then I also work with uh, the chapters from time to time on some of their fundraising and development uh, goals uh, throughout the year.
0: And then what was it like to fundraise for NLC in the beginning when there weren't as many chapters, there wasn't much buzz, people didn't know who we were? Uh, I could write a book about
1: that. Uh, So, well, I come from uh, traditionally, I come from uh, the political fundraising arena. So I'd worked a couple United States Senate races. I had. worked a couple congressional races as well and got to know some of the large donors around the country. But you go into an organization that it's not an election cycle where you know you have deadlines, that you know that there's an end goal, but building an organization is a lot different than uh, than a campaign. So it actually took a lot of work to get people to actually notice what NLC was, to get having them understand of what our end goal is actually, really building out this long-term progressive infrastructure around the country and all these de- uh, key communities that uh, are going to pay dividends for the millennial generation and for the future of our country in the long run. So it was hard at first. It still is hard. But I think, you know, as we've grown, I think we put ourselves in a great spot to continue to sustain uh, this great organization and the work that you what know, we're, we're doing on a national level, but also what the key work is, is what the volunteers in the communities are doing, you know, the our work uh, day in and day out of putting on the Institute, keeping folks engaged, building community, which is what NLC is truly about.
0: And do you find that donors are
1: more interested in
0: now the the number of chapters and the size and the fact that there's uh, places in red states? Are they more excited when you share what alumni have done, whether it's become an elected official or ascend to higher ranks in their nonprofit, things like that? What do you find excites people the most?
1: I think it's all the above. I think now, since we have a great narrative and a great story to tell, uh, and from where our NLC was back when I started to where we are now as a actually prominent player in the progressive movement. I think it's both what our alumni are doing in communities. I mean, we've got folks, we had 26 elected to uh, office uh, a few weeks ago in the, in the 2017 elections. We have folks in communities around the country that are doing interesting capstones that are impacting communities, they're starting nonprofits, they're starting businesses, and building that real community and that real, uh, ecosystem in these places that I think the progressive movement hasn't had in a, a long time. And so, uh, I think that's key. And then I also think from a political perspective, all of this, cause we are a quasi political organization. Uh, we are, building the needed infrastructure, as I mentioned before, where the parties in a lot of these areas, especially in red states, where we actually have expanded to since uh, since 2011, uh, really need the support and really need to develop those types of progressive leaders to go out there and lead in their communities. So I think it's an all the above uh, excitement. And, and I think really, you know, in our politics today, I think a, a new face and uh, new messengers are needed more than ever. If you look at uh, the establishment of both parties. I mean, I think you're seeing uh, some uh, some need for new leadership, and I think that's where millennials and you know where NLC is filled in that void.
0: And I know there's been conversation over the years about who is donating to us, and we've had some interesting partners, whether it's Comcast or some other folks, and we also have some very progressive partners that people are really fired up about. How do you balance that uh, with the need that, hey, we need money to do what we want to do versus is this going to be a progressive enough place for us to be associated with?
1: Well, uh, in terms of who we take money from, like there's no strings attached when we take money from folks like that. You know, they, they're, they, they're investing in us. They believe in the mission. They believe in what we're doing. Uh, obviously, we want to have conversations with these people. The purpose of NLC is to bring people together and have an open mind on. Uh, on on what the future is going to look like. And that's what leadership's about. It's not about sticking in your corner and, you know, continuing to dig your heels in. And, you know, on some things, yes. On some principled things, yes, you do. But also, if we get anything done, you're watching it today in Washington. You know, we've got an administration here in Washington that has continued to dig their heels in and not really to work with anybody, and we haven't gotten anything done. And so leadership's about getting things done, and, you know, working with different partners uh, has been uh, rewarding in doing that. And also introducing, you know, NLC to these new networks has actually helped our fellows actually advance themselves. So I I look at it as a way like, yes, we are taking – uh, corporate money or you know, f- money from different partners around the country. But I think it's opening those new avenues uh, to fulfill opportunity and to give folks a, uh, a, a new way forward and, and their thinking and different perspectives on things.
0: Nice. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about uh, what you're hearing in some of the chapters you're visiting, and then get some of your takes on some of the national political scene. Thanks for listening to Zag. You'll hear us in just a second. All right. So you are in Washington. You talked a little bit about the administration and those kind of pieces. But what has NLC fundraising been like on the on the trail, or what do you notice nationally since Trump got elected? What was there? Uh, what was the the main dramatic shift that you saw in the job that you're doing?
1: Yeah. So from the larger donor perspective, I think there's been more engagement, more willing to actually have a lot of meetings. I mean, for uh, three or four years there, it was really hard to get into the door with a lot of people because you had election after election after election. Because our donors are overlapping with uh, the political scene, uh, there's only a finite number of uh, bigger donors to really get uh, get funds from, which I f- my primarily primarily focus on. Uh, but you know, I think there's a willingness to have those conversations, and a, a lot of the. Maybes are now turning to yes. Uh, we had our largest fundraising year this year, close to $2 million raised as an organization. And then I actually feel from the chapter perspective as well, there's been that urge to go out and really court those middle, middle-tier larger donors in a lot of chapters around the country and we've seen significant growth in a lot of our chapter areas. I, I know LA did fantastic this year with their fellows fundraising. Uh, we've always had the great grassroots fundraising network that we have and has actually sustained and built NLC over the last uh, decade. So I think that there's a lot of excitement. I think that there's a need for uh, for what we're doing in the space and I think that's, that, that's translating into funding the organization and really kind of pushing forward. So uh, from a uh, thirty thousand foot view, I think that there's you know uh, a lot of opportunity out there for NLC heading into twenty eighteen. And then, from your perspective,
0: what is really going on with the soul searching in the Democratic Party and the autopsy from the election?
1: I think that you know, I think what they've been uh, experiencing a little bit is, I mean, there obviously are some uh, remnants of. Uh, Hurt feelings from the 2016 campaign, and you know we saw what uh, what's been happening with Don Brazil's book coming out, or the factions within the party. But I think uh, Tuesday, uh, the first Tuesday this November, was a uh, was a sign that I think that we're starting to coalesce around. Uh, uh, a winning strategy, hopefully, in the long run with the victories in uh, Virginia and New Jersey and in some key places like Delaware County, Pennsylvania, where they elected, uh, I think, a county commissioner for the first time in 75 years as a Democrat. So, you know, I think that there's this, uh, the the energy's there in the movement. I think uh, whether it's sustainable or not, I think that's where the work's going to have to pay off over the next, uh, you know, 11 months now, heading into 2018. I think there's a real opportunity to uh, take, Back the House. I think that uh, Democratic leadership uh, uh, in the House DCCC level, I think uh, Congressman Lujan has got a good plan. Uh, he has got a lot of energy and there's a lot of candidates running, which we need more people to run. And I think not only at the federal level, but I also think at the local level where, quite frankly, we've been, you know, that's where we've lost a lot of uh, uh, power as progressives over the last uh, decade. Uh You know, with the investments by the Koch brothers and a lot of these local races, I see I I could you see that actually hopefully turning the tide heading into 2018. I think we need to get Democrats elected from dog catcher all the way up to uh, president of the United States, hopefully in 2020. So uh, I think there's a lot of time. I think, you know, the soul searching of the party. I think we I think Hillary, even though her losing was uh, uh, bad for the country. But I think it was a blessing in disguise for the Democratic Party to reexamine itself and really try to figure out a plan to move forward instead of doing the same old, same old.
0: And then what are you hearing about 2020 for the presidential race? Any dark horses you see could possibly emerge? Anyone that you feel like you would back? What's your take on that?
1: <laughs> well, I think there's 25, 30 people running on the Democratic side for president. Uh, so people, uh, you know, obviously Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, or I think the right now at the... You know, primary season we're held today would probably be the front runners. I think you have some younger hitters, uh, Cory Booker, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, Christian Gillibrand that are looking at it as well. Um, some folks that I personally like, uh, I like Governor Steve Bullock from Montana. Uh, worked with him a little bit at the DGA when I was a consultant there. Uh, uh, Eric Garcetti, your mayor of LA. I, we love Eric. Uh, he's fantastic. He's been, uh, a great leader, uh, and has that next generation persona that we actually really need to propel as a party. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, uh, obviously is a name that's been floated around. I've always liked Terry. I know he's part of the, uh, Clinton, uh, the Clinton. Uh, orbit, but I think yeah, but I think, you know, you know, he's done a lot of great things in Virginia and really built built a, a good economy there. Uh but you know, handicapping that race right now, I think we've got to get through twenty eighteen and kind of see where the where the uh where the uh where the battlegrounds really gonna be. Uh who knows if Trump runs. I mean Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, as you uh, have been watching in the news. So if, uh, Trump, uh, decides to run for reelection, I still think it's going to be difficult for us. I mean, we've got to go win back Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, uh, you know, Florida, North Carolina, places where we've won in the past and we have let go because of, you know, the lack of infrastructure on the progressive side. So I think there's a plan. Uh, hopefully we can, uh, execute that plan to win back some places.
0: And then, last thing, what are you most excited about for NLC in
1: 2018? I'm uh, excited about the thousand new folks we're going to get uh, going through the institute this uh, this spring. I think uh, what the what the chapters have been doing to execute the selections process, the application process, to really get great quality people uh, engaged in the Institute is really the bread and butter of what this organization's about and building those leaders up and giving them the skills and the networks to go out there and impact their communities. And also I'm excited about what we're going to be doing next in policy, uh, initiatives. I know we, I had mentioned earlier about the millennial compact with America. We're going to continue to get folks engaged in that project as well. Hopefully we're getting feedback. Uh, we've sent out, uh, uh, a lot of information about the compact, hopefully folks in uh, LA and then across the country are giving us some feedback on that document. And we want to make it better. we want to perfect it. We want this to be something that our NLC leaders look to as a policy agenda that they go run on or go advocate in their communities. I think we have a real opportunity as millennials and as a generation of Americans to make a generational argument right now because the tides are turning right now. and so it's got to take young people, it's got to take young people ready to lead to actually uh, change going on in our country.
0: Thanks, sir. I'm glad you're on the case. Keep getting us some checks. And thanks for everyone who's listened to the Zag. This is episode 21. So there's quite a few. If you haven't caught all of them, you can find them in the iTunes store, Google Play, SoundCloud, all the good spots to get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.